Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Here's what you need to know. Solomon is going to take a break from lamenting the entire universe. Okay, he's gonna, and, and we're we're okay with that because because the last four chapters, Solomon has just been really, really, really just just heavy on on life. I mean, and, and so here, like like chapter five, we're gonna see a little bit of an oasis uh, right here in the middle of lamenting and. If you were to go to Israel with us, it's such a beautiful place, but, but it's so cool because if you'll come up a little bit towards the sea of, um, the Dead Sea, there's a, there's an oasis there in the middle of all of these, it's just dirt and mountains and desert, and you kind of drive into Engedi, and it's just like all of these trees and these beautiful waterfalls, and you have these, these cliffs, and it's just like, wow! And the Lord speaks so amazing because it's just this oasis in the middle of the desert. It's just it's just there, and that's where David he kind of hung out a lot when he was running from Saul, and and so that's just a really 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 neat place. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. Solomon is going to give us a little a little oasis, and if you've been with us for our verse by verse study here in Ecclesiastes. You kind of notice one thing about Solomon. Okay, now again, th- put your thinking caps on for just a second. Solomon was, I mean, the wisest man apart from Jesus, right? He asked for wisdom. And, and when you think about this, Solomon is not the kind of guy that you want to come to your birthday party. He's just really not. You go, you go, what do you mean? Can you imagine? Hey, Solomon. Yeah. Hey, um, are you coming to my birthday party? And he goes, please, right? Birthdays are meaningless. And you're just like, wow, okay. And we have one after another, and then you get all wrinkly, vanity, vanity. That's kind of what he would say. And you're just like, okay, well, I was just hoping you'd bring me a present. I mean, you're like the king. But, but think about this. Solomon is the kind of guy right now, as he's doing this experiment for us, that sort of keeps company with Debbie Downer. You know, he's kind of that, like, they, they kind of go, hey, he's kind of BFF with Eeyore. That's who he is. But what we need to understand, remember, church, is that Solomon is doing an experiment for us that we have to pay attention to. We have to pay. Now, again, think about this. He is simply searching out the things of life, what you and I might, or today might claim to be satisfaction, he's searching them out to say and, 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 and give us what he's saying. Now, he's thrown what? He's thrown some epic parties. He's thrown probably, I was, I was reading that in, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 8, and he built forests. He didn't just build a garden, he built forests. He lived the most comfortable life anyone could imagine. But what we need to remember is that Solomon wasn't just doing an experiment just to go, hey, I partied, yeah, hey, I know how to party. That's not what he was saying. He goes, he says, remember, he says, all the while my wisdom remained in me. And you've got to, you've got to mark that in your heart. And you go, why? Because here's what he means. He means all the while I'm doing this, I'm not going to allow it to control me or forget why I'm doing this. 
So all the while that he was throwing the parties, all the while, all, you know, all the food and all the, all, everything that's going on, he still remembered, okay, am I, am, I, am I satisfied in this? Is there true satisfaction? I got the band right there, there's food, there's wine, there's all kinds of stuff, man, it's just going on for days. Am I satisfied? And he remembers that, Why? Right? Well, the reason why it's in the Word of God is because, remember, it's an experiment for you and I to go, okay. Okay, I know why he's doing it. So why is Solomon doing it? Well, remember, he simply wants to show us that there's nothing new under the sun. And if you are going to be satisfied with this life, you need to look over the sun. Life without God who created us and loves us really is not life worth living. Every one of us has tried something to bring satisfaction, whatever it might be. Oh, just to be satisfied. Solomon says, no, 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 listen, I'm, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing new. No, 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 here's the thing, Mel. If I could just have more of it, okay? Like, party should bring satisfaction, but I, sh- I should have more. And Solomon's like, no, 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 no. Listen, we, we partied for months, seven days a week. We partied. And i got to be honest with you, it was, it, it, didn't, it was so dissatisfying that I said, there's nothing new under the sun. And so what did I do? He says, I built forces, and we had, and, and, and all of this stuff. And, and he, even, he even took us down a road of, of, of sexual satisfaction. And he said, there's nothing, that doesn't satisfy. I had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine is kind of like a wife without all the benefits. I mean, she didn't get the benefits, but she's still got to be there. So he's got a thousand women, and he says this. He says, that doesn't satisfy. That doesn't satisfy. And I find it interesting, church, listen to me. I find it interesting that, that Solomon has did an experiment for us with a thousand women, and it doesn't satisfy, and yet there's a billion-dollar industry in, the, in, in pornography that continues to allow men and women to try to find satisfaction on a computer screen. Think about it. We know it doesn't satisfy, and yet there we are. Okay, this is going to bring satisfaction. This is going to, be, this is going to make things better. And it doesn't. And it doesn't. And so for us, we have to take a step back and go, okay, okay, what is Solomon trying to tell us? That we need to look over the sun, over the sun. Because everything else on this earth is just chasing the wind. Chasing the wind. Now, how silly would we look if we chase the wind? Running back and forth trying to catch something we can't catch. Now, we see the effects of the wind. And sometimes when you lose a dollar bill or a five dollar bill and the wind takes it, you'll chase after that. Or an important paper, right? You're sitting there going trying to stomp it and, and then you find, but that's the effect. But trying to chase the wind is meaningless. But today, ah, we get an oasis. We get a little break from the lamenting about life here on earth. But yet, Solomon will continue to teach us how we need to live on earth. You see, the Word of God has always been and always will be teaching us how we should live and be more like Jesus. How we should live in, 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 this, in this world, this evil world, and not be corrupted. He's going to teach us how we need to live on earth. 
So tonight, I've entitled this message, How to Approach the Lord. How to Approach the Lord. And the reason is because Solomon is going to address two groups of people on how they should approach the Lord. Two groups of people. You go, well, who are they, Ben? Well, I think we can see these in our world today, but let me give them to you. Number one, there are those who are seeking satisfaction in religion. In religion. Let me explain it this way. There's a lot of people who will go through some some hard times out in the world. They might lose a job. They might have a a bad breakup, uh, whatever it might be. Um, They might even have medical issues, and, and life is just really distressful right now. And so they're just really at their wit's end. And so what they'll try to do is they'll try to find some filler, if you will, in religion. And when they say religion, they're trying to find and, and follow a religious routine. And so what do they say? Well, I'll go to church. I'll go to church. Where do you go to church? I'll go to church. Maybe I should try God. And so they'll go that way looking to find satisfaction. You see, I've had a fella in this church before come to me, and life seemed to be throwing him just a, a, a bucket of barrels of distress, if you will. He sat there, tears falling down, ugly cry. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I said, you need to, what? Look over the sun, okay? There's nothing new here. This is this is part of life. You need to put your faith in God and walk according. And ugly cry, oh, I can't believe this. Just ugly. And, and, and then when he gave his life to the Lord, he sat there, we prayed. We prayed with him. We prayed for him. <sighs> I'm better. I'm better. Well, it only took a few short months when his em- employment world got back to normal And then, I don't need the Lord anymore. And so, you sort of, you sort of, God, everything, everything's good again? Okay, I'm good. I'm good. So, Solomon says, listen, I I, want to address those who are seeking satisfaction in religion. In religion. And the second group he wants to address are those who are in a dry time with the Lord. A dry time with the Lord. Let me explain it this way. Sometimes, okay, that you're going to find that you will find dry times with Jesus. You're like, really? I feel like I'm just, oh, I'm just dry. You know, Ben, you were, you were talking about there in, in Judea, you were talking about, about in Getty, you were talking about, but, but to be honest with you, I feel like there's, there's just been, I don't know where this oasis is. I don't know where the waterfalls are. I don't know where the green trees are. I just feel like it's desert, and I'm eating dust all the time. You think about our world today. You even think about, about our city. We, uh, we have this now need to pray for rain, and thank God that he's sent a little bit of rain. But if you recall early on in April and May, we had a lot of rain. My grass was green. And then all of a sudden it dried and then it turned brown again. You know, I mean, the dirt and we were... And, 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 and so there, it, it, spiritually speaking, that's kind of how a lot of, a lot of Christians are. And Solomon is going to talk to that. So, those who are seeking satisfaction in religion and those who are in a dry time with the Lord, those are the two groups of people. Now... Let me get you up to the speed of where we're at. If you remember last week, guys, we learned, we discovered 
that Solomon had visited the courtroom. He visited the marketplace. He went and looked on the highway. And even in the palace, he was looking at people. And we talked all about how we're to do life together and how we're supposed to be connected together. And it's so and so important. You see, God made us to be a community of believers, a family. But he wants us connected. He wants us, he, he, he's really going, okay, this is, well, you, we should be doing life together. We should be doing life together. And when I say doing life, I don't mean, well, you come over to the house every now and then, we have a, we have a little get-together and that's fine. No, 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 he's saying we need to be in each other's lives, helping and growing and encouraging this is how we need to be. We need to be uplifting. Oh, hey, hey, are you hurting? Let me pray with you. Let me, let me walk with you. How can, and sometimes, guys, and sometimes we have the resources financially to help. Oh, I'll pray. You know, be, be, be blessed, be fed, and be, go on your way. I'll pray. For, and you no, know, sometimes God wants us to reach in our wallet and go, let me help. What can I do? What do you need? What do you need? And so again, He's reminding us, you and I have to do life together. That's why it's important for us as a family of believers, not only to meet on Wednesdays and Sundays, but to also fellowship. That's why we have church in the park, and that's why we have all of these things, so that we can fellowship and get to know one another. Now remember what we learned last week. Solomon talked about three specific things that would kill any type of community. Three things. And he brought them out last week. But let me give them to you. The very first thing, if you recall, is jealousy slash envy. Jealousy slash envy. In verse 4 of chapter 4, we're reminded that jealousy will always derail your chances for deep fellowship. When you're jealous of somebody or you're envious, now let me explain those two. If I'm jealous of you, then basically if I'm jealous of something you have, then I'm going, man, I, I really wish I had that. That's jealousy. Man, I really want that. Oh, why do you... Envy is going, I want what you have, but I don't want you to have it. So it takes it a little bit deeper. It's like, I want that brand new truck and I wish you didn't have it. That's envy. When we as believers walk in jealousy and envy and we don't rejoice with those who rejoice, what happens, guys, is that kills any type of deep fellowship. You can't be honest. You can't be sincere. You can't. And when, and when somebody does good, you need to rejoice like you've never rejoiced before. If they're hurting, you need to cry like you never. You need to have that deep connection. But jealousy and envy, and it could be anything across the board. It doesn't have to be material things, but you look at someone else's relationship. Now, we got to be careful with that because when we look at someone else's relationship, usually it's in the form of social media. Oh, look how, look how well they're doing and you don't know. And what happens is now you, you go, man, I really wish I had a husband like that. I really wish I had a wife like that. I really wish my kids behaved this way and, and all of that. All of that, so forth, but we don't realize that jealousy and envy will derail our chances for deep fellowship. And we have to remember that everything on social media is not true. And you look at this beautiful picture of this beautiful family, and they only had to take it 45 times to get the right picture. 
You see it one time, you're like, oh, I can't die. Look at it. You know what? Little Johnny was just throwing a fit two minutes before, before they settled him down. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. The second thing, the second thing that Solomon reminds us is found in verse 5. It says, the fool holds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Remember we talked about this? It was laziness. Laziness. Lazy people will never know true community. It says, the man who folds his arm and eats up, it ends up eating himself. In other words, lazy. We're never going to get to know each other if we're lazy. Ah, ah, I don't want to go. Ah, ah. Yeah, but everybody's getting together. Ah. Listen. I can't tell you how many times that I've been at the hospital and I've visited people who have no church. And they don't want to do church and they don't have a church and they don't have a community of believers who have come and rallied around them to be part of their family. Hey, what church do you go to? Well, I really don't go to church. Well, who's visiting you? Nobody. I don't have any family. I don't have any friends. I don't have any... Why? Because lazy people... You, it takes work to, to be involved in somebody else's life. It takes work. And I get it. We all, we're all busy. We're all tired. Oh, the last thing I want to do is go somewhere at 7.30. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is get out of my pajamas. At, but we, we have to do these things. And even though we're tired, we connect. And that's what Solomon's trying to tell us, guys. Lazy people will never know true community. Number four, or number three. Number three, and this is key. This is, I want you to write this down. He says, he says, dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction with where you are. You go, what do you mean? If you're always in the future, you're never here in the moment. You go, what does that mean? If you're always looking, well, I can't wait till next week. I'm going to be here. I can't wait till I'm going to do this. I can't wait till I, I'm over here. I'm going to here. Man, I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Cause man, the future and the future and the future and the future. Solomon goes, wait, 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 wait. Listen. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be in the moment now. I want you to be in the moment now. When you go out with friends, and this is the hardest thing for us to do, guys, and you can see it across the board. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers or judging anyone, but, but it, our devices, when we go out and, and we're sitting across from somebody, we're doing this, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. And, oh, hold on a second, uh-huh, uh-huh. We're not in the moment. We're not in the moment. And these are, these are incredible things that, that, that is a great wealth of... You get, you get your Bible podcast, you get your Bible, you get all this stuff, but it also can be a very thing that distracts you from being in the moment. And, when, and God's called us for right now. He says, man, just, just, just be in the moment. Just be in the moment. Be in the moment. Now, here's the thing. Let's talk about being in the moment because here's what we do. Here's what we do. We go out to eat and we go, okay, I'm not going to mess with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it face down on the table here. Are you in the moment? Oh, the, hold on, the light blinked. And we're not. We're not. We need to put those away. And when we talk to somebody, we look them in the eye and we say, how you doing, man? You okay? You doing good? Yeah. And, and, and we just try as best we can 
Not to worry about tomorrow, the future, or whatever else, but to just find satisfaction in, in finding community here. Community here. This is, this is where, listen, if you're always in the future, you're never here in the moment. And God's called you specifically to be here in this moment. In this moment. Those are three things that will kill community. Well, tonight we're going to see that Solomon is, is going to visit the temple. All that magnificent building whose construction he had supervised, he watched worshipers come and go, praising God, praying, sacrificing, making vows. And he noted something that we have to pay attention to. You go, Ben, what was that? Okay, if you're taking note, he noted that many of them were not at all sincere in their worship. They actually left the, tem- the temple worse spiritual condition than when they entered. When they entered. That's what he's going to see tonight. Okay. As we go through our study, I want to, want to remind you the two people that, I want you to keep that in mind, the two people that he's addressing Let me give them to you again very quickly. Those who are seeking satisfaction in religion. Okay? We could could drum it. Those who go, hey, I'm just going to church. I'm going through the motions. Parents went to church. I go to church. That's the church, church, church. And then those who are in a dry season with the Lord. A dry season with the Lord. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about. He's going to address... The religious people, because they're trying to obtain satisfaction through religious rituals. And he's going to talk about how to approach the Lord, even though we might be in a spiritual drought, and what we're supposed to do. So I'm going to give you some practicals tonight as well. Okay, lots to cover. Let's jump in. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1, read with me. It says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God. And draw near to hear rather than to give, uh, rather to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Okay, so let's back up. What is, what is Solomon trying to tell us? Okay, the first thing he says in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Walk prudently when you go into the house of God. Now, here's what I want you to do circle that word prudently. You can write next to it, Watch your step. Watch your step. Okay, very, very important. Watch your step. Uh, an even more modern phrase would be, pay attention to your feet. Pay attention. Now, I don't expect you to walk like this. Okay? That's not what he's saying. Because feet is a metaphor for watch your life. Watch your life. Watch the direction that your life is pointing. Pay attention to your life. Now, remember, Solomon observed the temple... And he found, he found that there were people who were simply doing the religious routine. Can you imagine? Yes, very much in 2023, we see people who are, who are the same way. They will get up, they will go to church, they will do the church thing, they will say, God bless you, brother, God bless you, sister. They will give money, they'll walk out the door, and they won't be touched by God. They won't hear from God, they won't see, they won't... He saw that back here in Ecclesiastes. Now, we have to grasp this. 
even though God's presence, if you will, doesn't dwell in church buildings, like like the temple. You know, it it was dwelling in the temple. Believers today, I still feel, need to heal, heed this warning. This warning. And so we have to do a heart check. Lord, Lord, I just, I've got to hear from you. I've got to hear from you. I just want to go to church. I don't... I just want to do church. Now, again, you go, Ben, it's, it's, it's Wednesday night. You're preaching to the choir. These are Wednesday nighters. I mean, these are people hungry for the Lord. These are people hungry for God's Word. Wednesday nighters are different from Sunday mornings. I'm telling you right now, most people will get up, and this is, the, this is what we do on Sunday morning. Now, let me just say this. The world is changing. Because there was a day that it didn't matter. You got up, you went to church, whether you were a believer or not. You were in church. The churches were full. But now we live in an age where it's like, nah, nah, nah. And we should come in with a heart that's hungry to hear God's word, to hear God speak to us. We should come in with the anticipation that God's going to give it and walk out going, wow, I'm, and, and not be chewing on the funny illustration that the pastor used, but that we're chewing on the word of God going, wow. Okay, so what, what should we chew on? Well, again, drop this down. He's saying, guard your steps. Guard your steps. In the Hebrew, here's what it means. It means to pay attention to your steps, to pay attention to the direction of your feet. That's what he's saying. Pay attention. Okay, okay. What, you go, what, what, what does that mean? Well, here's why. Unless you are unbelievably flexible, the direction of your feet dictates the direction of your life. You guys tracking with that? The direction of your feet dictates the direction of your life. And so Solomon starts out by saying, are you this evening paying attention to your feet? Are your feet pointed towards the house of God? Now, why is this unbelievably important? Why? Here's why. I have found in my many years of pastoring and even in my own life as well, with so many of you closely, that when difficult times come or dry times come, when sin besieges, the majority of us will shut down the pursuit of God and will fall into some sort of spiritual drought. If you are not careful where your feet are pointing, and again, guys, we don't just point our feet and we go to church. Well, that's what we do. We just, we just go to church, grow up going to church, go to church, we go to, we go, we go to church. But Solomon is going, is going, okay, let's take a look at your life. Tell me your life. Are you, what are you coming here for? Are you coming here to receive, to feel the power of the presence? Because so, sometimes, let's, let, let me just paint this picture for you in church service. We go to church service and we go, oh, okay, worship starting, okay. Okay, third song's done, okay, man. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. And then we get in there and we open our Bibles and then we're just like this. And we don't feel the power of the presence of God anymore in our lives. But, but being hungry for God should, should, should just manifest an even deeper hunger for His Word. 
And we should be a people going, I don't understand why we can't be at church five nights a week. We should be that hungry. Oh, my goodness. Eva, I don't know if you remember, but there was a day when we didn't have podcasts and we didn't have Bible studies and we didn't have, it wasn't readily accessible, Mike. We, 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 we went to church and that was our feeding, man. And now we have so much that people have just kind of gone, huh? huh? Now, I don't knock technology. I'm so blessed that we're able to podcast and people around the world can get the Word of God. I'm so blessed that we're able to FaceTime. But what I'm saying is that, is that we really need to have that, the Lord stir up that hunger in our hearts again. You see, you and I, we could start a book, and if it's a really good book, we won't put it down. One o'clock in the morning, eyes straining. We're just into this book, man. But I want to be like that in God's Word. Hey, you coming to bed? Yeah, I just hold on. I'm just reading this chapter in Second Samuel right now. I'm just, I'm just absorbed in His Word, and it's doing something in me. I'm just not reading it just to read it. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's, it's reading me, and I'm feeling the presence of God, and I'm just communing with God, and I can feel the Holy Spirit moving in us. But this is so important, church. This is so important why because when our feet are not pointed in that same even when we go through the same religious rituals that we go we're just doing the same thing guys we'll fall into a a spiritual drought and all of a sudden we'll go well this is hard well i can't find god so you know what i'm going to do i'm going to do nothing i'm going to do nothing Come on, come on somebody, you've got to testify with me because you know that when your heart becomes in a spiritual drought, so does your worship. And you can't worship, the way, and, you're just, and, it, and it's just eating at you because you're like, man, I remember when this, I would sing the songs and my hands would be raised and it was just, I could feel his love pouring over me and tears would be coming down and it was the worship of my God and something's happened in my life and I'm not sure where my feet are pointed but now I'm coming in and I'm like, okay. Okay. Hey, what was that last song we sang? Oh, I don't remember. And that is all of us, including those leading worship. It's all of us coming and going, oh, okay, okay. And that's what a lot of people do, church. They find themselves in a really, really, really dry time in life and feel like they haven't heard God's voice. So instead of pursuing Him, instead of pressing into Him, they'll do nothing. They'll do nothing. Many of us can testify to some dry times. God, where are you? A lot of times, even in the pastorate, I've stood before God. I said, God, come on, we planted this church. I lift everything. God, deliver. And he looks at my heart and he says, Ben, you deliver. We're in the relationship here. You're a Christian before you were a pastor. I'm not sure where you're asking. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's get back to where we were. I want to take you guys on a little journey. I want to take you on a little journey. 
I want to remind you of the day that just when you got saved. Do you remember when you first got saved? You first, everything was new. And you're driving down the road going, God, you made great clouds, man. Look at the trees. They're like, this is, this is, you never noticed them before, but now you're saved and, and everything, everything tastes, God, this is great. And you would read his word. You, you were just so excited to share with somebody. Look, this was God saying, Jesus wept. Okay. What does that mean? I don't know what it's doing. And you were so excited. Do you remember that? Okay. And so all of a sudden we start to, where's my feet pointed? Okay. Where's, where's my feet? Okay. Okay, and, and, and we need to go back to that word, where God's word just, oh. We used to sing a song back, way back in the early 2000s, and it used to say, my heart trembles at your word. My heart trembles. I could barely speak your voice. And now, church, come on. I'm going to paint with the big broad brush. And now we're going, yeah, the men upstairs, yeah, that's God, he's cool, amen. High five. And we, we forget, oh, oh, his word is holy. His word speaks life. And then, and then we have our quiet time. Having our quiet time, got to have my quiet time. And then our quiet time becomes routine, and we, and we miss it. And I'm right there with you guys. I struggle in this area. God, there's, it's not... It's not about what I'm teaching Sunday. What do you want to speak to me? And certain verses will jump out. Certain verses will jump out at me like crazy. And one of them was in Isaiah. One of them was in Isaiah where, where it told it that Jesus delighted in being obedient. And I looked at my life, and as the Scripture read me, half the time our obedience is not in delight. It's in regretting, oh, I guess I'll do it. And, 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 and not that we do that, but we don't, we're not just like, <laughs> yes. I get to do whatever God says. This is amazing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And I, and I had to check my own heart. That just jumped out. Do we delight in obedience to the Word of God? Or do we simply just do it? How are you doing, Rena? Doing God's Word. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take out the trash. God told me to take out. Take out the trash. You guys know how that is. This is how we're taught. Tell your kids to take out the trash. Okay, it's your time to take out the trash. Okay. First, what do we do? Well, is it my turn? Trash is really full. It's going to overflow. Okay, don't get any of the milk on the on the floor. Just take out the trash. And so what do we do? They, the kids take out the trash. They drop it on the floor. They drag it out the door. They're obedient, but is there any joy in that obedience? And see, that's, that's how... We, but, but the Lord Jesus said that he found joy in obeying God. He found delight. How cool would this be? Hey, Johnny, take out the trash. Okay. You know? Ah, oh, this is great. Wow. What joy can you find in taking out the trash? I, wow. Okay, first and foremost, we have trash. We have trash because God's blessed us with food. And these are empty. We, have, we, we ate. We ate. Oh, no, no, no. We're Americans. We, we deserve to eat. No, 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 no. Oh, wow. we got trash. Okay. All right. 
And then, and then just, just joyfully. Joyfully. The Bible tells us that if we're going to give in our local churches, if we're going to pay tithe and we're going to give offerings, we should do it joyfully. The word, the word delight there is hilariously. Can you imagine around the agape boxes? <laughs> this is great. This is great. What are you doing? This is great. God has blessed me. I'm just, I'm just giving it. Or what's the opposite of that? Well, I don't want God to go broke, so let me give him the money. Okay, there you go, God. Because if I give you my money, then I'll be broke. But Lord, you take it, you take it. I don't know what you do with it, but go ahead and take it. And it's begrudgingly. Anyway, I've got off track. But the point is, the point is, wow. Wow. Pressing and pursuing into God instead of doing nothing. Nothing. Let me give you a scripture reference. Do you remember Moses? Moses walked in a dry desert for 40 years. Could you imagine for just a moment in year 39, he goes, I'm done. I haven't heard God. I haven't seen nothing. I'm married now. This is what God called me? When I was in Egypt, I thought, I thought I felt like I had a call of God on my life. I thought for sure he was calling me to deliver. But then all of it, it went, it went crazy, and so I left. I'm done. I quit. I'm out. No, no, no. He just kept pursuing until that day God's okay. You're ready. Ready. Let me say this. In every one of us, we're called to ministry. But God will often build the man or the woman before he builds the ministry. Keep pursuing in to him. Now listen, listen. To both the mere church attender or the person who has walked in a drought for some time, your question might be, okay, pastor, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Number one. You ready? This is going to be this. You got to jot this down. You got to get this, okay? If you're here and you're simply going, okay, I've I've looked at my feet. I just don't have that worship anymore. You're in a dry season, or or you're just going through the. You go, what should I do? Number one, find the things that stir your affections for Christ and saturate your life in them. Find those things. Okay, let's chat about this first. Do you remember when you first, first, first got saved? And how you took your Bible everywhere? And how you read and you were listening to Bible studies and you were just excited to talk about God with anybody who would talk about? I remember going to, going out to eat with my best friend and we'd talk, the waitress would come up and I'm sure we annoyed a hundred waitresses, but we were always sharing the gospel. We were always talking about God. Hey, do you know Jesus? And da da da. And, 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 and it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't fake or phony. It was just, you know, what were you doing? First and foremost, I was saved. I was saved. And, and I remember I would read my Bible at night and not have a clue what I'm reading, but I knew I wanted to read my Bible at night. And then I'd put my Bible, I'd, I'd sleep with it either under my pillow. I'd just be right there. It was just, it was my Bible. It was my Bible. It was the Word of God. You go, Ben, you didn't know anything. No, theologically, I had no clue. I just knew that I was saved. But I knew something had changed in me. And I remember, and, and, and so what did you do? 
man, first thing I did was I would just, I would just, can you imagine? Can you imagine just sitting with old worship and just crying? See, I got to be very honest with you. Michael W. Smith, way back in the day, came out with a, with a video, right? Nobody knew his secret ambition. And he did this video, and I would sit there with, and here's Jesus on the cross, and I'd just bawl, because I knew that was my sin that put him there. I knew, I knew. I just cried, I just cried, Lord. Many of you, when the passion of the Christ came out, you just sat there in the theater and cried because you knew that was you. You knew he took that for you. Now we just, just kind of go, oh, huh? Huh? And he's saying, he's saying, no, 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 here's what you do, guys. Go back to those things that stirred your affection, the worship, the teaching, whatever you did that was just, that got you so fired up. Go back and do those things. Go back. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe for some of you it was journaling and you journaled and you, and you just put your thoughts down and, and, and you just spoke to God that way. And you listened. Listen. The second thing that we need to do, guys, the second thing we need to do is find the things that rob you of that affection and walk away from them. And the question I have is, what is robbing you of your affection and your deep walk with God? What's robbing you? And he says, recognize those. And you go, what do I have to do? Ask the Lord, Lord, I need to do a heart check. I need to do a heart check. Lord, where am I? What's robbing me of, and it could be things in life. It could be things in life. Oh, oh, well, I'm busy. I'm just busy. I'm busy. It could be, I mean, Lord, what is it? What is it? What am, I, what am I putting in my eye gate? What am I putting in my ear gate? What's coming into my heart that's robbing me of that once affection that I used to have for you? I need to get rid of those things. I need to get rid of those things. Lord, you're going to have to show me. Show me. And then when he shows you, you have to be obedient. Oh, oh, oh. Lord, I've, I've been putting, and then you guys can, you guys can underline what, you guys can write whatever. I've been putting this above you. I'm sorry. I've been putting my work, my spouse, my games, my education, whatever it might be. I've been put, I didn't realize, Lord, I've been, I've been putting that above you. I need to, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me because it's been robbing me of where I needed to be. What are the things that you're allowing in your life that's robbing you of your affection for Christ? Let me give you some of them. You ready? Anxiety. Anxiety will rob you of your affection. Worry. Worry. Can can I share something with you? Can I share something with you that I feel like the Lord... It may not be for you, but I, I just realized this. Oftentimes, most of us probably, in, in, we get home and we're tired. We're tired. We're, we're, we're not just physically tired. We're just, we're just tired, right? And, and you wake up and you go, man, I'm tired. And I kept asking, why am I so tired? I mean, I can sleep eight hours. I'm just tired. But I realized that as believers, guess what? We're constantly fighting 
all day. We're fighting. We're fighting the evilness of this world. We're fighting to maintain integrity. We're fighting all, I mean, the media and all the stuff. And, and you, and you hear stuff like, well, China's trying to rewrite the Bible. And you're just like, no. And then you're, 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 you see what's going on in the media. And you see that our administration has, has no regards for God or His Word or anything else. And we're fighting that so spiritually and emotionally and physically. We're just tired a lot. Or before we could rest, but now we're in a different season. And I thought the Lord really just said, man, we're just, we're always on, we're always on. We're always on, aren't, aren't you? You're always on defense. And so when you're always on defense, you're, you know, you're just constantly tired. Kind of like the New York Giants were on Monday night, but that's a whole other story. Their defense was on there too. Anyway, never mind. We allow circumstances to overwhelm us, guys. That's another reason that would rob your affection. Circumstances, what's going on that you're allowing? Being critical of situations or being critical of other people. That will always rob us of our affection for Christ. When I was searching this, I read an article from Focus on the Family. I'm going to give you four things that want... It said, it pulled this up. Four thieves that want to rob you of God's joy. Four things. And I'm going to give them to you really quick. Okay, maybe you're, maybe you're one of the... Maybe God will speak to you. But number one, believing sadness disappoints God. Believing sadness will disappoint God. Oh, just because you're sad, does not God is not disappointed in you. But that was what the article said. Number two, feelings that we don't measure up. Feelings that we don't measure. I never measure up. And a lot of us feel that way, and that's a thief that will rob you of God's joy. Because now you're feeling that you have to do something, and it's the cross that brings joy. Number three, the need to be in control. And we get so robbed because we want to control everything and everyone, and we forget that God is in control, and He's going to work it out for His good. And uh, number four, Hard seasons disqualify us from God's promises. Oftentimes we feel like hard seasons disqualify us from the promises of God. Well, I'm just going... And, and, and here's the mindset, guys. It goes back to, well, if I'm going through a hard time, I must have done something wrong and God is punishing me. And that's not who God is. It's just a, it's just a joy robber. It's just a joy robber. So what does Solomon say, guys? Solomon says, okay, ready? Let's, let's bring it all back. He says, look at your feet. What are your feet doing? Are they moving towards the temple of God? Are you guarding your steps? Are you paying attention to your steps? Are you not walking at all? Are you actually walking away from Him? Are you complaining all the time that He's abandoned you? Well, look at your feet, and they'll tell you the direction you're headed. Are you pursuing? Are you chasing? Are you in your life adding all those things that stir your affection for Christ? That's verse 1. And he comes back and he says this, And draw near to hear, rather than give sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. What's he saying? He says, listen to God. Listen to what God is telling you today. 
There are a couple of things here. If you simply practice a mere religious routine, hoping it'll satisfy, he says, he says the first thing you need to do is listen to God. In other words, let the Scriptures read you. If you're here tonight and you go, man, I feel like I'm in a dry time. Well, you need to listen to God. You need to listen to God. He says, guard your steps. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. You're eventually, church, going to have to wrestle through and decide whether or not the Scriptures are true. And he's going to give us more. You go, what's that? The first thing that now, the second thing that Solomon wants to teach us, guys, is be careful with careless prayer. Careless prayer. Let's take a look, guys. Verse 2 and 3. He says, Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes through much activity. A fool's voice is known by many words. Solomon, oh my goodness, Solomon, what are you saying? Right now, he says he just described human tendency to speak without thinking before God and others. Ever do that? You want to reel it back in? Even with an under-the-sun promise, it's foolish to speak too much and hear too little in God's presence. Think about this. In 1 Kings chapter 18, do you remember the priests of Baal? They prayed long and hard on Mount Carmel, and Elijah prayed short and sweet and full of faith in the living God. And God heard and beautifully answered Elijah's prayer, short and sweet. Listen to this quote by John Bunyan. In prayer, it's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Spurgeon, the great pulpiteer, said this, quote, It's not the length of our prayers, but the length of our prayers, or but the strength of our prayers that makes the difference. It's not the length of our prayers, but the strength of our prayers that makes the difference. So Solomon says, hey, be careful when you come into the house of God that you're not just lifting up babbling prayers. He says, think it through. Think it through. We have to take a moment to, to just even think about our prayer when we come through. Sometimes in the morning when I'll get out my Bible, I'll just start reading. And the Lord knocks on my heart and goes, you didn't even ask me to come and, and illuminate my word to you. You're just kind of going through the routine. So I have to take a step back and say, Lord, um, this is your word. It's holy. I'm not holy. Please forgive me. Speak to me through your word today. And help me to understand it and apply it to my life. And then you go in. And then you go in. Do not be rash with your mouth, guys. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and your earth. So therefore, let your words be few. Look at verse 3. For a dream comes through much activity, but a fool's voice is known by his Words. The thought of this line is probably well represented better in the Living Bible, which says this, Just as being too busy gives you nightmares, so being a fool makes you a blabbermouth. 
That's what he's saying. So be careful when you pray. Number two, how about this? Making vows. Making vows. Or should we say promises to the Lord? Look at verse uh, 5. Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says, Better not vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was in error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. But fear God. It's talking about vows. Even with an under-the-sun promise, it's both honorable and wise to honor God by keeping one's word to Him. It would be better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Well, Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. Lord, if you'll do that, I'll do this. And, and then we offer vows, we offer promises. Lord, get me out of this one and I'll serve you. Lord, get me out of this and I'll... And He says, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, don't vow. Don't vow. It's better not to vow than to vow and not pay. And he says, don't let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Think about this. Solomon right here observed that it's important for God's people to regard their failure to keep a vow as serious matter, and that a great effort should be put forth into keeping vows and not regarding failure to keep them as simply, oh, it's an error. Well, uh, God, I said, never mind, my, my bad. That's basically what he's saying. My bad, I, I said, I, I told you I would do this, now I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. He says, don't let your mouth, don't let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. The preacher warns us about these two sins. You go, what are they? Making a vow and have no intention at keeping them. Making a vow and have no intention at keeping them. That's number one. We see that in verse five. And then he says, making a vow, but delaying to fulfill it. That's verse six. So be careful with vows. Be careful with vows. Sometimes we come in here and we'll use vows as, as prayer. We'll come in as prayer and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then we, we usher, we, 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 just, we just vow something to the Lord, something that we wanted, something in the flesh. And we go, God, if you'll just, I promise I'll, I'll give this much money or I'll do this or I'll do that or I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then we don't do that. We don't do that. Just know that God doesn't play the silly games that we play with people. He doesn't. If you're going to make a vow unto the Lord, make a vow unto the Lord. It goes on in verse 8. It says, If you see the oppression of the poor, the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, he says, do not marvel at the matter. For high official watches over high official, and high officials are over them. Let me give it to you in another way. He says, don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by, by the powerful, and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. He says, don't be. He says, for every official is under orders from a higher up, and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Solomon really spoke realistically about life under the sun, did he not? There's so much oppression and perversion of, of, of justice. 
He says, it shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us. We shouldn't be surprised if a poor person is being oppressed by a powerful person. We see that all the time in the news. And this happens on a daily basis on a sinful world. And I love that the word of God has just come clean and he said, hey guys, don't, don't be surprised. And you and I were like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe. No. No. Solomon was especially aware of how bureaucracies can bring oppression. And we see that in our world. That's why it's so important that the Lord Jesus is going to rule and reign for a thousand years as the government, and that's going to be a sweet time. Because right now, the powerful will continue to, and we see that on a daily basis. As we close tonight, we're just going to cover those first eight verses as we close. Think about what we've learned tonight and how we can apply it. The most important thing Solomon reminds us tonight is watch, watch the direction of your feet. Watch your steps. Be very careful. Are they pointing? Your feet are going to determine your heart. If you're coming to church, if you're, if you're, if you're at home and, 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 and your feet are not in the right direction, we've we got to take a moment to go, Lord, where, where am I? How's, how's my worship? How's my... Man. Lord, direct my... I, I, I just... I need this. I need this. Lord, when I come into the house and my, my worship is good and, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just blessed by you, Lord, I need to be careful what I say. Let my words be few. I don't want to just blurt out just rash prayers, careless prayers. But Lord, let my words be, you are God in heaven, I worship and I honor you. And he's taught us all about these things. He's taught us about that. And, and, and of course, the last but not least about vows, just meaningless vows. Don't, don't, don't vow and not pay. If you're going to vow to the Lord, man, do it. Do it because you love Him. Amen. Father, we love You tonight. God, Your Word is so powerful. And we just thank You, God, for chapter 5. In just a few verses, God, we, we're just blown away. We're blown away, Lord, by how much you love us. And so, God, tonight, I thank you. Thank you, I thank you, I thank you. And, Lord, I pray that our feet are in the right direction. Walking in worship, true worship of you. And, Father, if there's anyone here, Lord, that's in a spiritual drought. They're in a desert right now that they would go back and stir up those affections they once had. We love you so much in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.